The scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Great shepherd of our souls, we come and ask that you would take these words that we've read and that you would help us to meditate on them, to think on them, and to apply them deeply to our hearts today. That we would honor and glorify your name, even in through that process of worship and hearing your word and applying it to our lives through your spirit at work in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to take a minute just to um, say thank you uh, to so many of you who have uh, prayed for Karen and I over the past few weeks. Um, for those you don't know, uh, I was admitted to the hospital on September 24th um, with uh, shortness of breath and just feeling like I had been run over by a truck. Um, so I, when I went into the ER, they uh, diagnosed me with COVID, and initially I thought that's all the problem was, but then after a couple hours in the ER, they uh, noticed that an enzyme in my heart had elevated, which is indica in the, an indicator of having a heart attack. Now, I had no um, pain, I had no nothing. I could have been sitting in there having a heart attack, I would have never known it. Uh, it was just this enzyme. So they did a, um, a heart catheterization on, uh, on Tuesday, like the 26th or 27th, and put a stent in my heart, and I am hopefully, mostly, back to normal, feeling much better after a week or two of rest. And, uh, but mainly just wanted to say to each of you out there for just thank you. Karen and I just are so thankful for your prayers, your help, your, the meals that you provided for us, um, the cards you sent us. Just we have felt loved and cared for, um, and we are just so thankful to be part of this community and, and the outpouring of love that you have shown us. And just, you know, we, we praise God for you and thank you for, for your care for us. So as I um, am coming back, uh, this has been a, a, the, my first week back, and it's been a little bit of a challenge to sort of get my head in the right place to, to write a sermon. And I'm working on a sermon that, you know, many of us know, we've all heard of. Um, but I want to step back a minute and just talk about uh, this sermon from the perspective of hearing it, um, but having heard it most of our lives for some of us. Um, and if you've never been around a church, you've heard it at least, um, you've heard at least aspects of this psalm or this song sometime or another. Maybe you have a grandmother who's, you know, stitched it on a pillow somewhere, or it's on a picture frame on, on the wall of a house. Um, uh, just regardless of your place or where you've been, you've most likely have heard this psalm or interacted with this psalm at one time or another. And it's because of that, it's easy for us to take the psalm for granted. Um, it's easy to just let it wash over us and go, I've heard it, I know it, it's not something I'm that concerned about or worried about because, wow, um, I've been hearing this since I was, you know, three years old. Um, but like so many things in life, uh, we often take those things that we know the best, we take those things for granted. 
we look over them, we set them aside, we don't think about them, we don't reflect on them, and often we don't even meditate on them because they're so familiar to us. Um, and I hope that will not be where you are today. Um, I encourage you, I encourage us to come to the psalm with uh, new hearts, a new mind, new eyes, and let's try to look at this with a new perspective and understand what God has for us um, by teaching us that he is our shepherd and that we are his sheep. And I want to take us through this psalm here in a minute. You'll notice in, your, in the reading, or at least if not in the reading, but in your Bibles, you'll look, there's a heading for this psalm, and it tells you that this is a psalm of David. And um, in the, the first book of the Psalter, uh, Psalms 1 through 41 are all part of the first book, and most of those psalms were written by David. Um, and now David, again, is a man after God's own heart, and we would know that David had had much experience with um, shepherding sheep. Uh, he himself, in his early years, was a shepherd. So I, what I want us to do as we start the psalm is to look at, at least initially look at, who is our shepherd king? Who is the shepherd king of Psalm 23? Who is he? So this, this psalm starts arguably, right, with the most famous, one of the most famous verses in the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The first thing to see here is that the opening verse is, is that God is referred to as a shepherd. And David uses the personal name of God, which is transliterated from Hebrew into English as Yahweh. Now, you don't see that in most of your English translations. What you see instead is L-O-R-D capitalized, right? Well, that is the covenant name of God that our English translators have put as capital L-O-R-D, capitalized the whole word. Um, but that is a special name of God that was revealed to God as the covenant-keeping God of Israel. The Hebrew word Yahweh is the most sacred name of God in Scripture, and it's used throughout Scripture. And if you don't believe me, go home, look through your Old Testament. Anytime in your English Bibles you see that capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that is Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God of Scripture, the covenant-keeping God of His people. This name was so sacred among the Israelites that when, uh, when the Jewish rabbis would read the Old Testament, they would not even pronounce this name. They would not say it. Instead, they would insert another word, which in our English Bibles is L-O-R-D. Ah, surprising, but not capitalized, uh, lowercase, all right? But the, the, the idea that David is getting at, this is God Almighty uh, Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God, the God who loves Israel, who loves his people um, abundantly and faithfully. Yahweh is David's shepherd, and by extension, God is our shepherd. The idea of God being a shepherd was, of course, progressively revealed throughout Scripture, starting in the Old Testament, leading all the way into the New Testament. And the first time you see this idea of this theme that God is a shepherd is in, is in Genesis, in the book of Genesis, where... Um, where we're told that uh, God comes to shepherd his people. Uh, that's the first place you see this. And then the rest of scripture will pick up this theme and begin to unfold it uh, more and more to, in the Psalms and then later in the prophets where Isaiah and um, Ezekiel will begin to talk about not just the shepherd, but that God will come for his people as a shepherd. So he's not just a shepherd, but he's going to come in the future as a shepherd to gather in his flock. You see this clearly in Ezekiel 34 where he says, The Lord God will seek them out, for thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep 
and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them. Excuse me. You know, these prophecies in Scripture, whether here in Ezekiel or Isaiah or in Malachi, are all pointing to this coming shepherd king, the Messiah, who is going to gather in the people of God. You know, we all know that the New Testament, of course, picks up this theme, this same metaphor to describe our Messiah, Jesus. You know, in John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now think about what Jesus is saying there. I am the good shepherd. He's taking Psalm 23 and saying, who, who, who is the shepherd, in, or the shepherd in Psalm 23? Is Yahweh, is God. And Jesus is saying, I am that shepherd. And then he's taking I am, the phrase I am, which is a, a repetition of, of uh, Exodus 3. When Moses says to God, who do I tell the Israelites? Who do I tell your people uh, who is sending me? And, Mo and God says to, to um, Moses, tell them I am is sending you. Jesus is taking these two little words, shepherd and I am, and, and completely transforming them and reminding us that he is not just our good shepherd, but that he is God Almighty who has come for his sheep, who has come for his people. The New Testament picks up this theme again where, he, where Jesus is called not just the good shepherd, but he's called our chief shepherd. And he's called the great shepherd. So then, who is the shepherd of Psalm 23? He's none other than, the God, than God Almighty. The one true and living God who makes and keeps his covenant with his people. He's not bound by time or space, nor is he limited in power or knowledge. He is our Lord Jesus, the promised Messiah, who laid down his life for his sheep. He is my shepherd and he is your shepherd. Church, if there's one thing you can take from this sermon today, one thing is remember who your shepherd is. Remember who shepherds your soul. I implore you to know the shepherd who cares for you deeply and loves you fully and completely. The second thing to see here in this first verse is that God is the shepherd and we are the sheep. David is acknowledging that he is like a sheep. Now, here is the king of Israel saying that he who, he who shepherds God's people is also now being shepherded by God Almighty. You know, I'm not an expert on sheep. Maybe there's some sheep farmers or sheep herders out here. Um, but I've done a little bit of reading about sheep, and I doubt there are many of us in New York City who know uh, much about sheep. But from my reading and from the Internet, of course, um, one thing we learn about sheep are sheep are dumb. <laughs> they're not overly smart animals. Uh, not only that, they're, they're very stubborn animals. They're defenseless. They're prone to wander. And they're very nervous and anxious animals, which is why they need a shepherd. You know, this is not really a metaphor any of us are excited to apply to ourselves. You know, none, none of us want to go around, yeah, I'm a sheep. Yep, that's me. And yet, that is how David is referring to the people of God to remind us that as sheep, we need complete care. We need total care that only our shepherd can bring. 
The last thing to note in verse 1 is that because the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. I shall not want is a little confusing in our English translation. It doesn't mean what we think it might mean. It doesn't mean that God shepherds us by giving us everything we want or everything we desire, nor does it mean that we have no needs. And therefore, because we have no needs, therefore we don't want or need anything. No, the Hebrew idea here means not lacking something needed. So a better translation of this is, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I lack nothing. doesn't mean that I don't have wants. It doesn't even mean that there are other needs. But I lack nothing because my shepherd, our shepherd, has provided for all of our needs. In essence, David is saying those who trust in God as sheep do in a shepherd will never lack for whatever they need. As one commentator has said, in this life, we may not have all that we want, but we will always have everything we need for joy and the fulfilling of the Lord's perfect will for our lives. Look, left to themselves, sheep lack everything, but cared for by a good shepherd, they will lack nothing. And that's the idea David is getting us to see, that our good shepherd cares for us, and because he cares for us, we lack nothing that we need for life, for joy, for happiness, for anything. This is, in essence, this is the essence of Psalm 23. One, it's a simple statement, but it is profound. It's a declaration of trust in God's provision and care for us. If the Lord is our shepherd, then we are in good hands. When, when it all comes down to it, when, it comes, when you, the rubber hits the road here, the Lord himself is the real provision that we need. He is the one thing that is absolutely necessary for you and me. If I have Jesus, if we have Jesus, we have everything we need. He, he is our shepherd. He is our provider. He is our friend. You know, David continues in verse 2 and 3 telling us how it is that the shepherd provides for his sheep. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So how does the shepherd provide for his sheep? First, he provides for the needs of his sheep. That's a given. We sort of know that idea. We have that idea here. Sheep tend to be picky eaters. I don't know if you have any children. Um, sometimes children tend to be picky eaters. Well, sheep are very much picky eaters. They will eat the brown, dry grass, but only if they're starving. What, what sheep really want is the beautiful, green, luscious grass pastures uh, that have all the nutrients that they need for their, their fleece to thrive and look good and to be shiny and, and all these things. Sheep need green, deep green pastures in order to thrive. And the good shepherd leads his sheep to those kinds of pastures, to those kinds of pastures where the sheep can graze and be fed and be cared for. The shepherd makes sure that the sheep have what they need for life. And this is what Jesus does for you and me. Every day, this is what Jesus does for you and me. He will feed us and he will satisfy our hunger. He is the bread of life. He will quench our thirst because he is the living water. God has promised to supply all our needs through his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Secondly, the shepherd provides peace and rest for his sheep 
in a dangerous world. In verse 2a and 3, David gives us a picture of the shepherd leading the sheep to quiet or still waters. And these quiet or still waters are refreshing. They provide renewal for the sheep. You know, sheep are quite skittish and often nervous and full of anxiety because the world seems scary and threatening to them. Without the shepherd, the sheep are helpless. They're helpless from predators and often they're helpless from the environment around them. We are not much different than sheep when it comes to worry and anxiety. We often live such hectic lives full of pressure and conflict. Sadly, worry and anxiety are part of our everyday experience. Marsha Hornock uh, captured the endless frustration and disappointment so many of us experience in her poem titled Psalm 23, Antithesis. Listen to how she describes a person not experiencing and submitting to the shepherd. She says, The clock is my dictator. I shall not rest. It makes me lie down only when exhausted. It leads me to deep depression. It hounds my soul. It leads me in circles of frenzy for activity's sake. Even though I run frantically from task to task, I will never get it all done. For my ideal is with me. Deadlines and my need for approval beyond Excuse me. Deadlines and my need for approval, they drive me. They demand performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. They anoint my head with migraines. My basket or my emails overflow. Surely fatigue and time pressure shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the bounds of frustration forever. You know, I wish I could say that this poem didn't reflect our hearts and lives. But for many of us, it resonates deeply because we live as she describes. But here's the thing, church. Jesus offers us a better way. He leads us by still waters. He restores our soul. Our shepherd helps us and keeps us our lives so that we might prosper and have, a, have, a, have his perspective on the world instead of our own perspective on the world. He promises to restore and refresh us through his presence and his word. Now, Psalm 19 is a great reminder of this. There it says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Our good shepherd desires and can restore, renew, and revive the souls of his sheep, those who have placed their faith and hope in him. So church, come and find rest for your weary souls in your good shepherd. The shepherd provides the rest. The shepherd provides the water. The shepherd provides a place of quietness. And I, I couldn't pass this up, even though it's not in my notes, so I'm going to go off notes. So we'll add a couple extra minutes for those of you concerned that I'm up here too long. As I've heard some feedback on that, just saying. Um, <laughs> part of the rest, the restoration that the shepherd provides is the Sabbath. It's the Sabbath, brothers and sisters, and we do not do a good job honoring the Sabbath, keeping the Sabbath. Too many times we make the Sabbath out just to be another day, just like Monday or any other day of the week. Or we use the Sabbath and we say, well, I'll take three hours here, I'll do six hours here, and I'll do six hours of my Sabbath here. 
I want to encourage you that God gives us the Sabbath so that we will learn to rest in Him. That we will learn to be restored in Him. Look to use your Sabbath as a time of rest, as a time of worship, but rest because through the Sabbath, God has given it to us to restore our souls, to remind us that He's our shepherd, to remind us that He has provided one day out of seven to say to us, stop, rest, restore, revive yourselves. I want to encourage us as a church to take that commandment seriously. Take it seriously. He gives it to us because he's a good shepherd. He knows what we need. And so he's giving us a Sabbath to say, look, you can't live by 24, you can't live 24-7 and work. You need to stop. You need to rest in the care and love of your shepherd. Lastly, our shepherd provides guidance for his sheep. In verse 3b, David tells us that the good shepherd provides guidance by leading us in paths of righteousness. Notice David says that the good shepherd doesn't drive his sheep. No, he leads his sheep. And he can lead the sheep because the shepherd knows his sheep and the sheep know the shepherd. In other words, the sheep are not passive recipients of the shepherd's care. That is, we are not passive recipients of God's grace in our lives. They are actively involved in the relationship. They listen to the shepherd's voice and they follow him because they know his voice. Some of you may have even seen some of these examples of sheep responding to their shepherd's voice on the internet, right? Shepherds develop a distinctive call that their sheep immediately recognize. The sheep will, this means that when two shepherds come together, say at a watering hole or in a pasture and the two flocks intermingle, the shepherds don't have to worry that they're going to lose their sheep. All they have to do is step out on the direction they're going and begin to call their sheep and their sheep immediately respond and follow the shepherd. These two flocks that come together will separate out and follow their leader, follow their shepherd. Notice that David says, our shepherd leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. He does not force us, he does not manipulate us to follow him. No, our good shepherd leads us right where we need to go. That is on the paths of righteousness. Now, how does, how does, that, how does God do that for us today? How does God lead us on the paths of righteousness today? He does that through his spirit and by his word. Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. God's word and his spirit provide a path, a way to live, so that we may glorify and honor his name. We know that we're on the right path. We know that we're on the path of righteousness when our lives and our words, our, our decisions match up with God's word. Church, our good shepherd provides what we need. And we need to learn to recognize his voice. We need to learn to recognize his voice because we're so acquainted with his word that it permeates our hearts. It permeates our life. We exude it when we talk to one another. We exude it when we interact with our neighbors. We, it is just so much a part of who we are that we know it and we live by it because it's God's word. It's not my opinion. It's not someone else's opinion. God is telling us, Jesus is telling us, you want to follow him on the paths of righteousness, you need to know his word. And that through his spirit, he will make that word come alive to you and will teach you and will grow you so that you might follow him wherever his voice is calling you. 
David continues in verse 4 with, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, look, David experienced many dark valleys in his walk with God. If you were to go to look at his life in 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, his life was full of danger and betrayal. He often faced trials of all kinds. Of all kinds. He was chased, and, and King Saul chased him throughout the wilderness, uh, tried to kill him to, to the point where David was hiding in a cave. Um, his own son, Absalom, led a rebellion where the people rebelled against David, and David had to flee from Jerusalem. So David was a man acquainted with valleys of darkness, with dark shadows. In this verse, David remind, reminds us that the green pastures or restful waters are not always present for sheep. The sheep had to be led by the shepherd through the deep, dark, dangerous valleys to find greener pastures. And leading the sheep through these deep, these deep valleys, the shepherd had to be vigilant because the path to new life and rest was loaded with difficulty and danger. Life can often be that, like this for you and me. You know, sitting in a hospital for a few days with heart issues quickly reminded me how much I need God's provision and protection. More than that, I was reminded often that God is never far away. He's always with me. He's always with us, even when life seems unbearable and out of our control. We, brothers and sisters, do not need to be afraid. We do not need to fear because our shepherd, our God is with us and his rod and his staff will comfort us. Don't misunderstand what David is saying here. It, what this David's perspective on the Christian life can change how we look at suffering, how we look at those deep, dark valleys that we face in life, or even just the, the dark valleys of the soul that we often encounter um, that, aren't, that aren't necessarily um, going to kill us, but they weigh us down. They make feel, feel like God is far away. And the reminder that David is telling us is that God is never far away from his children. Regardless of how we feel in the moment, he is never far away. He is always present. He is always with us. As one commentator has said it like this, we are going through the deep, dark valleys because our good shepherd is leading us. The dark valley is part of the path of righteousness. Why would the good shepherd lead us through a place of danger and death? To get us to a better place. Notice, too, that the shepherd has two pieces of equipment with him, or her, in this case, him. He uses the, to guide us and to comfort us, right? Is the rod and the staff. Now, the rod is an instrument to protect and provide safety. It was used to fight off wild animals and, and, and on occasions as well to fight off robbers who were there to harm the sheep. The staff is used to provide us with comfort and support. It was used to gently guide the sheep or to help the sheep that had fallen into a crevice or hole. Church, when you face the deep, hard valleys of life, again, remember, you're not alone. Your shepherd is with you and he will guide you to better and a more joyous place. He is the one you need. He is the one we need. And he has all the resources at his fingertips to make a new way for you and me. In verse 5, the imagery of this psalm changes slightly from a shepherd to that of a host. God is our host, and he is preparing a place for us. 
But our host is still the shepherd king of verse 1. He is the shepherd king who has brought us from the field through the valley into his home where we're now safe and secure. In his home, he anoints our head with oil, which was a, a way that ancient Israelites or ancient people in the Near East would show hospitality to one another. Making oil, mixing oil with perfume was used to smooth the skin and cleanse the skin and provide a fragrance for the person who had been on a journey, been sweating and hot and dirty and dusty. It was a way that um, just to cleanse that person and to give them an, a, a pleasing aroma. It was only done as a mark of, or it was a mark of friendship. It was a mark of celebration. And it was only done for those who were uh, honored guests in the home of the shepherd or in the home of the host or in the home of the king. Now, David draws his psalm to a close with the promise of a future thanksgiving. John Piper says, God is always in hot pursuit of us with goodness and mercy. The Hebrew word for mercy in our text here is hesed. Hesed is often used in the Bible to describe God's relationship with his people. It's, it is a love that is faithful, unwavering, and covenantal which means that the loving kindness of our shepherd king constantly runs after you and me. That's what David is saying here. God's goodness and covenant faithfulness aggressively pursue us, aggressively chases after us. So we cannot run out, outrun God's love. And David's point is that wherever you are and whoever you are, you can be confident that your good shepherd will provide for you he will care for you. He will protect you. And at the end of our days, he will call us home to his house forever. And what greater joy is there than to dwell in the house of God, in the house of the Lord forever, hearing, well done, my good and faithful servant. Brothers and sisters, every one of us needs a shepherd. We need a shepherd because, as Sonny read or, or Sonny quoted earlier, because we are all like sheep who've gone astray. We are all sheep who are running after our own things instead of our shepherd. We're not following our shepherd's voice. We're following our own voice or, the, or, or our culture's voice. So we need a shepherd to follow his voice onto those paths of righteousness. As one pastor has said, sin had confused us, deceived us, and made a, made a promise that it could not deliver. And then Jesus came looking for us. He found us and rescued us by laying down his life for us as the good shepherd. He rescued us from sin, from Satan, from death, and even hell. Lastly, what does the shepherd promise for those who are his sheep? That question is answered in Revelation 7, where we're told, They will no longer hunger. They will no longer thirst. The sun will no longer strike them, nor will any scorching heat. For the Lamb, that is the Lord Jesus, who is at the center of the throne, will shepherd them. And he will guide them to springs of life, to waters of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's what David is picturing here, for us to come and reside in the house of God. To be cared for by our great shepherd, not just now, but for all eternity. This is our great shepherd. We are his sheep. 
And I want to encourage you. I want to implore you. Come to the shepherd of your souls. If you don't know him, come. He cares for you. He loves you. He's laid down his life for you. So come to the shepherd and know his voice. Know his love. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are our shepherd. You care for us. You provide for us. You protect us. You watch over us both in the good and the bad. Lord, you are always with us. Remind us of your faithfulness. Remind us of your death. Remind us of your life that we would come to hear your voice, to follow your voice, and to be filled more and more with your word, O Lord, that we would honor and glorify your name as you lead us, as your people, as your sheep. In your great and mighty name we pray. Amen.